Good morning. I, while he's setting up the PowerPoint, let us uh, start this with a word of prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this wonderful Sabbath that you have given us, Lord. And Lord, I ask that uh, your Holy Spirit can come upon me and upon everyone in this uh, room, Lord, so that we can be able to spiritually discern um, the lesson for today, Lord. And may they hear um, the words of your um, scripture and of your prophets instead of mine. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. The message of today's uh, sermon is something that I think is very important and a sobering one. Because I think it's one of the traits of a Christian that we are not doing. Or at least if we are doing it, we're not doing it or we're not treating it as sacred as it should be. And that is respect. When I'm talking about respect, I'm not saying something that is specific to our religion. I'm saying something that almost everyone knows the, co the basic concept of respect. Um, almost every religion has respect. When you go to their temple, um, they, walk they walk quietly, they whisper, they cover their faces, they, they treat it as a sacred place where they meet with their God. The purpose of the sermon is to talk about um, the meaning of respect according to the Bible, the importance of it as Christians, and how can we apply um, respect into our lives. Before we can talk about something, we need to first define it. So I went to Webster's Dictionary online. Hold on, so let me turn it on. There we go. So I went to Webster's Dictionary. There it went. It worked? Okay. All right. So I went to Webster's Dictionary to find out the definition of respect. The first one is a feeling of, admi of admiring someone or something that is good, valuable, and important. So tell me, is God, is his temple, his sanctuary, is it something that is good for us? Is it valuable? And is it important for us? A second definition of the same word is a feeling or understanding that someone or something is important, serious, and should be treated in an appropriate way. I think that this second definition is my favorite because it's showing us that respect is going to lead to us with actions. It's going to show, it's going to result in actions. I don't need the PowerPoint. All right. Also, I think what also helps us to understand the meaning of respect is to look at other words that um, we probably use more in our daily life that mean the same thing, synonyms. So as they get that working, I will start listing them right now. Admiration, reverence, fear, honor, glorify, showing dignity, awe, consideration, deference, worship, and recognition. As Christians, as Christians, I think that all the other words that can also mean respect is very important. All right, there are also words in the dictionary that define what respect is not. What respect is not. Respect is not criticism, disdain, dishonor, disrespect, ignorance, neglect, unbelief, and unimportance. 
from the definition alone, I'm getting the impression that if we are not showing respect, we are showing God disdain, dishonor, and neglect. Because according to the definition alone, if I am not showing God respect, which we already know can also mean glory, fear, reverence, we're disrespecting God. By the definition alone, I know that if I am not showing respect to God, I am in trouble as a Christian. Why is respect needed? We're going to be, um, there are many reasons why respect is needed as Christians. Um, when I was uh, reviewing this in the spirit of prophecy, I believe I read almost 10 chapters dealing about, about uh, reverence and respect. But I'm only going to focus on four basic ones that we can easily find in the Bible. So we're going to talk about one of them. In education, page 242, Ellen White says this, True reverence for God is inspired by a sense of his infinite greatness and a realization of his presence. So according to this, if we, are, um, if we have a sense of his greatness and if we realize his presence, we will be showing true, true reverence to God. With a sense of the unseen, every heart should be deeply impressed. The hour and the place of prayer are sacred. Wherever you pray, wherever you honor God, that place is sacred. Because God is there. And as reverence is manifested in attitude and demeanor, the feeling that inspires it will be deepened. So now we know that... Um, if we are truly showing reverence to God, it will be shown in our demeanor. How are we acting? How are we treating the sacred things of God? In other words, if I were to summarize this verse, um, to respect someone is the basis of a relationship, according to this, because true reverence comes from us knowing God. So as a Christian, how important is it to know God? Are we Christians if we do not know God? No. If we have a relationship with God, is it manifested in our attitude and demeanor? Think about it this way. If um, all your thoughts in the church, all the thoughts that you thought from the moment you walked through the door became public, would you have been respecting God with every thought? Would you? Or were you thinking of worldly things or of how unimportant this place really is? In reflecting Christ, Oh, okay. In Reflecting Christ, page one, uh, 172, we will find another cause as to why we as Christians need to show respect. Let children be shown that true reverence is revealed by obedience. God has commanded nothing that is unessential, and there is no other way, there is no other way of manifesting reverence so pleasing to him as by obedience to that which he has spoken. So here we are shown that not only does a relate that a relationship with God will be shown in reverence and respect, but this reverence and respect is shown by obedience. So I'm going to ask you as Christians, how important is obedience? According to Exodus 19:5, if you if now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So, 
Showing respect, which is shown by obedience, is what makes us spiritual Israel. And it is how we show our love of Christ. Another reason why it is important, um, that respect is important, is because it's actually good for us. In Deuteronomy 5.16, it says, Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God has given you. In this verse, there are two blessings to honoring our elders. One of them is to have a long life, and the second one is to have that long life in the land that God has promised. Tell me, as Seventh-day Adventists, are we longing for a land that God has promised us? Yes. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want to be in eternity with God in heaven. And also, this uh, Deuteronomy 5.16 is also very closely tied to the main verse that we read earlier, which was Deuteronomy uh, 6.24, which I will read right now. And it says the same thing, but more broadly. 6.24 and the Lord commanded us to do all the statues and to fear the Lord our God for our own good, that he might preserve us alive as he is doing to this day. The last reason why I think it is important that we as Christians show respect is because it can actually lead us to salvation. And that is going to be the main focus of today's um, sermon. What we're going to talk about biblically what are the consequences of disrespect? And the first one is going to be found in Leviticus 10, 1 to 3. And this is the story. I have it up there so you don't have to uh, look for it. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and they put fire therein, and they put the incense therein, and they offered a strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not and there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is, this is it that the Lord spoke, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh unto me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. There are going to be two characters in the story that I want us to think about. The first group is Nadab and Abihu. Did they show respect in what they did? No. Not only were they doing something that the God commanded them not to do, where were they doing it? In the temple. Not only were they disrespecting God by disobeying what he told them not to do, he was doing it in his own house. Put yourself in God's shoes at this moment. Let's say that you have a house and you have just recently put new carpet in. You're very proud of your carpet. It's beautiful. It costed you a fortune. And then a visitor comes over, a friend of yours, a close friend, comes to visit, and you ask your friend if she can please take off her shoes so that they don't have to worry about dirtying the carpet or anything of that manner. And then your friend disdainfully says, no, I'm not going to take off my shoes. You can always replace the carpet later. Is that friend showing respect? No. So even something basic, we realize that respect is necessary as a Christian. What Nadab and Abihu did was very disrespectful. Now let us focus on the second part of this story. And that is, how did the Lord respond to this disrespect? How did he do? What did he do? He 
he, he, he burnt them to a crisp immediately. It was immediately. And Ellen White describes in Patriarchs and Prophets, oh, in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 361, why God killed them immediately. God designed to teach the people that they must approach him with reverence and awe and in his own appointed manner. Not only are we supposed to be showing respect to God and reverence and awe when we're going into his presence, but we must do so in the way he tells us. Not in the way we want, but in the way he tells us. And remember what was the second definition of respect? To treat something in an appropriate way. So tell me, when we are in the house of God, is our attitude and our thoughts reflecting reverence and awe? Do we know that God is here? We, uh, if you were listening to this, to the in your bulletin, it was describing what we should be thinking as we enter the temple of God. We should be thinking, God is here. God is searching my heart. God is in this place. Am I treating it with the respect that God deserves? But there is another temple that the Lord gave us that we may not always be showing respect to. We have the physical temple or the church, and we also have a spiritual temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God? You are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. What was another word that we can use to replace respect? Glorify. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When I lend someone to a friend, when I lend an object, I expect for it to be returned in good condition. I don't expect him to treat it with disrespect and to ruin it. The temple that the God has given us must also be treated with the respect that we treat his temple. Now we're going to move on to another story, which is in found in 2 Kings 23 to 25. And he went up from thence unto Bethel, and this is Elisha speaking. And as he was going by the way, there came 40 little children out of a city. They mocked him, and they said unto him, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. And he turned back, and he looked on them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the woods, and tore 40 and two children of them. And he went from thence to Mount Carmel, and from thence he went to Samaria. What happened in this story? There were two main stories, there's two main characters, and that is the children and Elisha. What was the children's crime in this story? They were mocking him. They were calling him bald. He may have been bald. He, he probably was bald, but they were mocking him. In Patriarchs and Prophets, page 236, this is what Ellen White is talking about this story. Reverence, in which the youth who mocked Elisha were so lacking, is a grace that should be carefully cherished. Every child should be taught to show true reverence for God. Never should his name be spoken lightly or thoughtlessly. Now notice this. Angels, as they speak it, veil their faces. With what reverence should we who are fallen and sinful take it upon our lips? The angels cover their face when they say his name. 
We are nowhere near as glorious or as sinless as the angels. How much more do we need to show reverence? Reverence should be shown for God's representatives, for the ministers, teachers, and parents who are called to speak and act in his seed. In the respect shown them, God is honored. The crime of these children was that they disrespected someone that God sent to them. And nowadays, God may not uh, strike you down immediately like he did in this story. But do you think that the angels made note or that God made note of the disrespect he's shown his ministers or the people who speak on his behalf? In this story, we learn something else that's important about reverence. Age does not excuse you from showing reverence. Just like in the story of Nadab and Abihu, these children did not learn respect and it costed them their lives. And do you remember how many children lost their lives? 42 children. How, do you th how many mothers do you think that was? How many fathers? Their mocking of God's prophet ended in their lives being cut short. Now we're going to move on to the next one. And this one you need to get your Bibles out. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 21. And we're going to be re reading verses 33 through 40. And when you are there, say amen. amen. Okay. Matthew 21, 33 through 40. Are we all there? Okay, let us read. I'm reading from the King James. Here, another parable. There was a certain housekeep, a householder who planted a vineyard, and he hedged it round about it and digged a winepress in it, and he built a tower, and then he rented it out to the husbandmen. And then he went into a far country. And when the time for the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen. Another word for husbandmen, if you have NIV, is tenants and that they might receive the fruits of it. And the tenants took his servants, they beat one and killed another, and they stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, they will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said amongst themselves, is this the heir? Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord, therefore, of the, of the vineyard returns, what will he do to these tenants? There are going to be two characters in the story we're going to focus on. First, let's focus with the most obvious, and those were the renters, the tenants. They were given a responsibility, and the responsibility was to take care of the vineyard of their master. The master had a vineyard and rented them out. Where did it start going wrong? When the harvest came, the, ma the master sent his servants to go collect the fruits and the whatever came from the harvest. What did these tenants do to the servants he sent, according to this? What did he do? What did they do to the servants? They beat them. They killed them. Yes. Now, I don't think I need to interpret what this story is talking about. Who do you think these tenants could represent? 
that could represent us. Who do you think these servants could represent? Pastors, those who send the message, the teachers, everyone who is acting in, in their master's seat. Now, the master who owns the vineyard, who is this master? God the Father. Now, what I like about this story is that, first, the God, does, unlike the other stories, God does not kill, the, the master of the household does not immediately kill them after they kill his first set of servants. When they killed the first set of servants, what did the master do? He sent more, even more than the first time. And what did they do to those other servants he sent? They did the same thing. And then the master reasoned, I will send them my son. At least they should show reverence to him. They may not respect, they may not um, honor the servants, but at least the son they should respect. Did these tenants respect the son that, that the master sent? They killed him. They killed him. And I think what is very interesting is the last section of the verse, which is verse um, 40. Can someone read that one, please? So what do you think the master will do after they've killed his servants and his other servants and his heir? What do you think he will do for something so simple as showing reverence? to someone who owned the very property that they were renting. There, now this is the sad part of what happens when you do not show reverence. But in this story, there was a group who did show reverence to their master. And that was the second set of servants. Put, your put yourself in the, ser in the second set of servants' shoes. Your friends who, who went before you were killed and beaten and tortured. And now the master is asking you to go to those unfaithful tenants who have already killed your predecessors. What will you be thinking? They would be afraid. What do you think they would be saying, they killed the ones who went before me. What will they do to me if I go as well? They'll, they'll kill me too. But what did these servants do? Did they neglect the duty that their master told them? Did they disdain their assignment? Did they dishonor their master by not going because they thought the cost was too great? Or did they respect the orders of their master and they revered his name and they glorified their God by going despite what the end result might be? Can we say what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We have a very solemn warning to give to this world, and that is that the master is returning to collect the fruits from his vineyard. So I want us to ask, are which servants are we? Are we the servants in the story who went, despite the fact that they would probably be killed? Or were we the tenants that should have been collecting the fruits to give to their master? Which set do we want to be? The second. Do you respect God enough to follow his wishes? Do you respect your fellow human beings enough 
to seek and save that which is lost? Now that we focused on three stories in the Bible that talk about the consequences of not showing respect, now we're going to talk about, biblically, who does the Bible say we need to respect? And we already talked about some of them, which was the parents and, the, and, the, and God himself. But the answer to who we need to respect is found in 1 Peter 2, 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Practically everybody, your, your, your fellow human beings, your church member and your pastor, God, and the government. Because even, and when I say the government, I don't mean what they're doing bad. What I'm meaning is that we still have a police force that is protecting us. We should respect their authority. We have um, the judges. Yeah, we have judges, which some of them may be corrupt, but a lot of them are not. They are doing their job. We should respect them. Are you showing respect to your fellow human beings, which is the first one we're supposed to be honoring, our, our fellow man? Are you giving clothes to the naked? Are you feeding the spiritually starved? Are we putting the needs and the dignity of others above our own? Are we truly respecting our fellow human beings? Are we showing respect to our pastor and our fellow church members? Are we listening to each other, to our God's representatives? Because if we're not listening to God's representatives, we are disrespecting God. And the most sacred of all, are you respecting God? Are you showing him the reverence that he is due? Now, are we exercising? Are we exercising respect? Do we now see the eternal consequences of not doing something so simple as showing someone respect? Death before dishonor. How important is the principle of respect to you now? Hold on. Yes. All right. Would you be willing to die? instead of bringing dishonor to the name of God? Because true reverence is necessary for God's people. Why is it necessary for God's people? Because according to the stories we just read, it is part of our relationship with the God of the universe. It is what leads us to obedience, which as Christians, we must obey the word of our king. He is king. It can preserve our lives, and it can save our souls. Just look at the story of Nadab and Abihu, those youth and those tenants. Their disrespect, their, their, their dishonor, and their disobedience will cost them their lives. As sinners, we need a savior, and only Jesus can wipe away our sins. But this comes with a price. Are we willing to be ridiculed, mocked, and killed just for the sake of honoring God's word? Or are we disrespecting him? by being afraid of being persecuted. Because if we are willing to be killed rather than to dishonor his word, then we are in the right path. In 1 Peter 4.14, it says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. When we are standing firm for God's name, when we are respecting him, whenever we say the Lord's name in public, are we saying, and I don't know if you've ever seen um, that movie, Joseph? Have you seen that movie? It's like four hours long. What did they do whenever they spoke the name of the Lord? They would say, blessed be his name. 
they would cover their face and say, blessed be his name. When you are in public, the way you are saying God's name, are you showing the world that you revere his name, that you are showing him reverence? Now we're going to go over some practical parts of um, respect. True respect is something that only God can teach us. But what can we do now to show respect? I decided to go online, and I asked, and I went online to the different communities, to the social groups, and I, I looked around for seeing what does the world say respect is. And I got a list. Um, I don't know how many it is, but I want, and we're going to go one by one, and I'm going to ask you, as Christians, do we agree with the definition that the world says? This is not even something the Bible says, but this is something that the world says is respect. The first one, listen attentively when someone is speaking to you. Are you showing respect to God if when he gives you a warning, like for the end of time or for correcting yourselves and you're not listening? Is that showing respect to God? No. The second one, respond to what I mean instead of to what I say. And I'm going to explain this one. When they asked Jesus what was the greatest of the commandments, what did he say? Love God and love man. On this was built all the laws. So if you think about it, there was only two laws God gave us. Love God and love man. But because of our stubbornness of our own hearts, God had to add more. And remember how he allowed divorce? But then in the New Testament, Jesus said, he added divorce because you guys were stubborn. They, were, they would use the excuse, but we're allowed to divorce. I'm like, no. The principle was, I don't want you to. So think of the principle of what God says, not to the very words, because God says, thou shalt not kill, or thou shalt not commit adultery. But what did Jesus say? You may not actually do it, but are you thinking it? Are you thinking it? Keep the arguments you make. Agreements. When you make a promise, keep it. Are you showing respect to someone if you promise someone that I will get this for you and then years go by and you never do? Did you show respect to your friend? No. And we, and it's funny because we expect others to do this to us. God promised, I am coming again. And we're holding into that. We are, our whole religion is based on Jesus is coming again. Remember what someone likes. Oh no, notice what seems to be important to others. As Christians, we are called to follow God's path. And his, what's important for him was seeking and saving what is lost. Um, remember what someone likes and, doesn't and dislikes. God does not like sin. Are we respecting that? Or are we doing some things that could be considered sinful? Do not ignore, either mentally or spiritually, what someone is saying. And this one kind of ties in with the first one. Listening and not ignoring. Be willing to talk with each other. If you're not willing to talk with someone, are you showing that person respect? You're showing yourself above them because you don't want to humble yourself and talk to somebody. Don't interrupt when someone is speaking. And I like the next one. Challenge me. Does God give us challenges? He does. Challenge is good for our development. A little kid, we will give them a challenge. In my uh, nursing program, I am being challenged daily. And it is good for my growth in my profession. It is good for, their, for our children's growth and their physical development. And spiritually, if we never want to go more in depth 
What was the principle? Why did God say this? What does this mean? Are we showing God respect to his word? No. Speak in a calm manner. Don't make fun of me or use my name carelessly. And I find it funny because that one, don't make fun of me or use my name carelessly, almost sounds like a commandment. But this is what the world is saying, respect it. So, so far, do we agree with this? Yes. Treat carefully what is mine or what is yours. God gave us this body. Are we taking care of it because we know that it was bought with a price? Don't gossip behind my back. What do you, how would you feel right now if we just discovered that God gossips behind our back? <laughs> how would you feel that we found out that we go to heaven and then all the angels like, oh yeah, God was telling us how like this and that and like, we're surprised you're here. How would you feel? That is not respect. So with these that we went over, do you agree with them? In your mind, does this, does this mean respect? So now we're going to move on a little more to find out what the Bible specifically, because the Bible actually mentions all of these, but I didn't have time or the space to fill them in here. But now we're going to move on to some things that the Bible mentions that the world doesn't. All right, the first one is that showing respect to someone else is to put others first. And this is found in Romans 12, 10. Acknowledging those who work hard is found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 13. Obeying your parents, which is found in Ephesians 1 to 3, or also in the commandments themselves. And I find it interesting that it says, cover our face and feet when we are before God. And this is found in Isaiah 6, 2. And you may think that this may not apply for us now, but I'm going to be reading some things from the spirit of prophecy that might make you rethink that. Be prepared to defend God. And that one we read earlier was 1 Peter 3, 15. And what I find so funny is that in Acts 10, 2, it says, give money to the poor, and pray. That is a very interesting definition for respect. And the last one, to me, was the most significant. Because not only is it something that those who have respect will show, which is humility, but according to Proverbs 18.12, it is also a prerequisite to honor and respect. Why do you think that humility must be a prerequisite before we can show respect? Anyone wants to try to answer? Amen. The opposite of humility is pride. And when you are prideful towards someone, can you truly show them reverence and respect? If you have pride, can you show God reverence? No. Because pride is the opposite of God, which is selflessness. All right. So now we're going to be reading some verses from the spirit of prophecy about um, what Ellen White says that we should be doing to respect the house of God. And if you want to, I believe it's found in um, Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5. And I'm not sure where, but the whole chapter is talking about reverence in God's house. And I only got the skeleton points. So the first one is reverence or, or reasons for the reverence. So I'm going to recap. We have abundant reasons to remain a fervent, devoted spirit in the worship of God. We have reason even more like even more thoughtful and reverent than our worship than had the Jews. So according to this, we have more reason to show reverence than the Jews of old. And what did the Jews of old do when they went into the house of God? What did they do? They walked quietly. They walked 
thinking God could kill me at any moment. They were walking very carefully with awe and trembling. But an enemy has been at work to destroy our faith in the sacredness of Christian worship. If the enemy, and we all know who the enemy is, has been working so hard to destroy the sacredness, how important do you think it is for us? If the devil has taken special uh, energy to make sure that they destroy the sacredness. Our present habits and customs dishonor God and bring the sacred and the heavenly down to the level of the common are against us. We have a sacred, testing, sanctifying truth. And if our habits and practices are not in accordance with the truth, we are sinners against great light. And not showing respect to God, to his word, to his sanctuary, we are sinning against great light. And are, poor, uh, and are proportionately guilty. And look how she ends it. It will be far more tolerable for the heathen in the house of God's, for the heathen in the day of God's reproductive justice than for us. She, she used this when we're talking about dishonoring God. Dishonoring God is a very solemn thing that we should be very careful we do not do. Common things excluded. The precepts of the church should be invested in a sacred reverence. It should not be made a place to meet old friends, visit and introduce common thoughts and worldly business transactions. These should be left outside for the church. And this is in the Testimonies, Volume 5. So according to this, what are you not supposed to do in the house of God? We're not supposed to treat it as a social gathering. It was not supposed to be treated as a club, basically. You're not here to, I'm not here to be with my grandma. I am not here to be with some friends or with fellow church. I am here to go with my fellow believers before God. That is the purpose of the sanctuary. And also the next one is that there should be rules. And order shows respect. And that was a quote of itself, but I didn't have space in here, so I didn't put it. But this is what she says. There should be rules in regard to the time the place, and the manner of worship. If things are left to chance, if things are done last minute, are we respecting the service? No. And I think the one that none of us do is this one, the eloquence of silence. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Habakkuk 2.20. If, when the people come into the house of worship, they have genuine reverence for the Lord. If they, so this is something, if we truly show reverence for God and bear in mind that we are in his presence here, there will be a sweet eloquence in silence. Do we, are we silent in church? Do we contemplate God's wonders? The next one is entering God's house. And this is very similar to the one that we read earlier. When the worshipers enter the place of meeting, they should do so with decorum, passing quietly to their seats. If some have to wait a few minutes before the meeting begins, let them remain a true spirit of devotion by silent meditation, keeping the heart uplifted in God in prayer that the service may be of special benefit to their own hearts and lead to the, conversion, the conviction and conversion of other souls. According to this passage, there are two reasons why we need to show reverence or silent meditation when we enter God's house. 
one, so that we can get, according to this, a special benefit to ourselves. And the second was, lead to the conversion of other souls. Who knew that sitting in silence in God's house, contemplating his greatness, can lead to the conversion of other people? What are we supposed to do when the minister enters his desk? When the minister enters, it should be with dignified solemn. He should bow down in silent prayer as soon as he steps into the pulpit and earnestly ask God of help. Every one of the congregation, also those who fear God, should with bowed head unite in silent prayer with him. When the meeting is opened by prayer, every knee should, should bow in the presence of the Holy One. Every heart should ascend to God in silent devotion. So according to this, when the minister enters and he is asking God for help, we should bow our head in silent prayer to God be with us. And it says here, and every knee should bow in the presence of the Holy One. When we are here at church, is God here? Yes. During the benediction, what should we do when the sermon is almost over? Could those see, and this is talking about the people in the church, could those see the angels of God looking upon them and marking their doings, they would be filled with shame, with abhorrence of themselves. God wants attentive listeners. It was while men slept that Satan sowed his tares. When the benediction is pronounced, all should still be quiet, as if fearful of losing the peace of Christ. And I have been to churches that when the benediction starts, there is a lot of noise. They don't remain that solemnity that we need. Yes? Well, it's the final prayer or the final song. But we still do a final. Mine does. I know a lot of them do. No, but this is from the spirit of prophecy. So near the church, while we teach it, because our faith is speech, and not only are the benedictions, but their own example. Well, this this church has a benediction. They do the final prayer or they do the last song. But we'll all right. Before I lose my place. All right, during the benediction. All right, now how do we leave the church? <coughs> Leaving the church. Let all pass out without jostling or loud talking, feeling that they are in the presence of God, that his eye is resting upon them, and they must act as in his visible presence. Let there be no stopping in the aisles to visit or to gossip. So when we are in this portion of the church, there should be no gossiping, even after the service is over. If we want to talk, we must all leave to show respect. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to ask you a quick question. What day is today? It's the Sabbath. A day that God has sanctified and commanded us to keep. Are we honoring the Sabbath as God wants us to? I'm going to read something. Um, I did not write where it is. Hopefully here it says where I got it from. Okay. This from Testimonies to the Church. The Protestant world today see in the little company keeping the Sabbath and Mordecai at the gate. His character and conduct 
expressing reverence for the law of God are a constant rebuke to those who have cast off the fear of the Lord and are trampling upon his Sabbath. So I'm going to ask you, is our presence here in church a rebuke to the rest of the Protestant world? Are we truly treating this place with respect? So now it comes to reflection. How, do we, how did we today, think of it personally, show disrespect to God from the moment we started this Sabbath until now? And I will give you a few moments to contemplate this. How have you disres disrespected God today? Now I want you to think, how have you, according to what we read earlier, shown respect to God? Now I'm asking the opposite. How have you shown respect today? Amen. And you can contemplate this one later. All right. Food for thought. Testimonies to the Church, Volume 5, page 147. Death before dishonor, or the transgression of God's law, should be the motto of every Christian. Is that your motto? Can you say death before dishonor to God? Remember the story in Matthew. Are you the tenants, or are you the servants that obeyed their master's order? It is an honor to be a Christian. What does that mean to you now? According to, er, like the one we read, what is, uh, what is showing honor? It means listening. It means being willing to talk. It means showing humility. It means putting others first. And it means, and it means a relationship with God. It means knowing God, loving God, listening to God, Doing as God says and how he wants us to do it. Remember the second definition of showing respect. Treating something in the appropriate way. It means knowing how wonderful, powerful, gracious, and merciful God is. And how helpless we are without him. Is death before dishonor your motto? Is it? Would you rather die than to disrespect God's name? And I want you all to say this with me. I will never apologize for being a follower of Christ. I respect my God too much to deny him before man. Now I would like us to pray, and it will be a different type of prayer. I want us to read Revelations 19, 3-7 as a prayer. Can you guys read that, or is it too small? You can't. You can read it. Okay. So let me get there because I don't have it in my notes. Yes. Please stand. All right. So Revelations 19, verses three to seven. And again they said, "Hallelujah," and her smoke rose up forever and ever 
And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye saints, servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of almighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. Yes. 